We started a new message series last week called Joy to the World. And uh, I'm excited to continue this series. Christmas is the season of glad tidings and great joy. And this song, Joy to the World, is a, a wonderful Christmas carol that we love to sing this time of year. It reminds us of all the joy that Christmas time can bring. And last week, we talked about the joy of the Lord and what that looks like. And that's how we kicked off the series. I gave you three things about the joy that came to the world at Christmas time. And as a bonus, I told you why I love the song, Joy to the World, so much. And uh, all of that was true, by the way. The, the story about the drum, somebody was like, there's no way that really happened. It really happened. I'm telling you, that was a true story. But today, as we continue the series, I want to focus on the second verse of this classic Christmas carol, Joy to the World, because there's some rich theology in this song that we love. Uh, and as Christ followers, I think there's some things that we can see in the lyrics of this song that's based on Scripture, by the way. That will help us to grow to become more like Jesus. And so let's pray and ask for God to help us to do that today through the preaching of his word. Father, we thank you again for your presence that's in this room, Lord. We thank you, God, that in your presence there's fullness of joy. And, Lord, we're experiencing that joy already. But, Father, I pray that through the preaching of your word today, God, that you would apply your word to our hearts. God, that joy would spring up from within us and flow out of us, God. That it would become like a living well of water that will not run dry. Lord, I pray for an infusion of joy to break out in this place today in our lives and in our homes, in our families, everything that we put our hands to, Father. I pray your blessing upon because of the power of your word, and we give you praise for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we didn't sing it today, so let's throw the lyrics up there to the second verse of Joy to the World. And I'm not going to make you sing it, but let's just look at it together. It says, Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. I always love that. It says men their songs employ because men don't like to sing in church. So there you go. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, Repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. It doesn't sound quite so joyful when you just say it like that. It's a little repetitive. But what immediately struck me about verse 2 of Joy to the World was the last word of that first line, the word reigns. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. The word reigns jumped out at me because the word reigns is a kingdom word is referring to a king and his kingdom for someone to reign there's got to be something to reign over and what the angels wanted the shepherds to know on that first Christmas night when they announced the birth of Jesus to the earth was that the reason his birth would cause such great joy among the people is because this was no ordinary child being born this child that was born in a stable in Bethlehem wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, was indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is and was the one that the earth had been longing for and even groaning for since the beginning of time. This baby was destined to rule and reign over a kingdom that God himself would establish on the earth. Isaiah the prophet included this in one of his prophecies about the birth of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9. This is what he said. He said, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. If you were to jump back and look at verse 3, the Bible says that this child would cause the people to have an increase in their joy. He would bring an increase of joy to the earth. And then in verse 7, Isaiah prophesied, he said, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Watch this. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And see, this is where the people missed it in Jesus' day because they thought Jesus, the Messiah, was supposed to grow up and become the king of the nation of Israel, just like David had been. They even tried to make him their king after he multiplied the bread and the fish in Matthew chapter 14, and you would too. If you came across a guy who fed you and you were like, man, this bread's pretty good, maybe he should be the king. You would get in line. You'd be like, I like this guy. He feeds us for free. This guy is a good, good king. That's what they wanted to do. They were ready to march him into Jerusalem and take over. Be like, we will follow him. And Jesus could have had an army of 5,000 people right there. But they misunderstood the prophecy about this king and his kingdom because he was not coming to rule and reign on a throne established by man. He was coming to reveal the kingdom of heaven. He was not coming to declare war on the Roman Empire and the enemies of a nation. He was coming to declare war on the devil and the curse of sin that was affecting all humanity. He did not come to conquer and subdue a foreign army. He came to conquer death, hell, and the grave. And Christmas is a time of joy because the king has come and the kingdom of heaven has come with him and anyone who chooses to live under his rule and reign can live in the joy that he alone can bring and see with Jesus birth the reality is you've got this duality on the earth because on the one hand you've got the kingdoms of this world and they were in place when he got here kings and kingdoms have been in place long before Jesus was born they're still here. They've risen and fallen. They've changed over time, but they're still here. But then on the other hand, you've got the kingdom of God, and they exist simultaneously on the earth. But listen, they're not the same thing. So let me ask you a question right here before we move on. Which kingdom do you belong to? Which kingdom does your citizenship reside in? Do you belong to the kingdoms of this world, or do you belong to the kingdom of Christ that he's ruling and reigning over I ask that question because the reality is one has the ability to produce joy in you and then the other one only seems to steal your joy doesn't it take your joy so whose rule and reign are you living under today I want to take a few minutes and preach about this idea of the kingdom of joy today the kingdom of joy and I want to talk about how to experience the joy of living in the kingdom in your everyday lives. And I think the first thing we have to do if we're going to experience the joy of the kingdom is we've got to make a decision about which kingdom we're going to live in, which kingdom we're going to belong to. We've got to choose to live in the right kingdom. And again, there is rich theology in the words of this song. It's based right off of scripture. And while it has become over the last century the most popular Christmas carol in the world, most people miss the, the, the theology in it. They just sing the song and don't really think about what they're singing. But the song says, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. 
And so you have to choose to become a part and a citizen of the right kingdom under the reign of the right king. Because listen, whatever reigns in your life determines your joy. I'm going to say that again. Whatever reigns in your life determines your joy. When you live in the right kingdom and you've got the right king on the throne of your heart, you'll have joy because his kingdom is a kingdom of joy. Let me show you this in the scripture. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, the Bible says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And joy seems to be harder and harder to find these days, even among the people of God. There seems to be an absence of joy from our souls and from our hearts. I've met so many people and I've talked to so many people even recently that the joy is just missing. And, and, and they, they're struggling to find it. Joy is just not there. Now, we talked a lot about this in the, in the message last week. And I'm not going to rehash all of that. But the world confuses happiness with joy. And I think that has crept into the church a little bit where people are looking for happiness and they call it joy. And it's not the same thing. But, but just so we're all on the same page, let me say this about the kind of joy we're talking about here. The joy that exists in the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit, according to Romans chapter 14, is not just a feeling of joy. It is an ongoing reality. Anybody can have a feeling of joy in a moment, and that's nice. But when joy shows up in your midnight hour, you know that the joy you've got is different than, what the, joy, than the joy that the world has. When your joy shows up after you've been beaten almost to death and thrown in a prison like Paul and Silas were, and they still decided to sing praise to God at midnight, you know that there's some substance to your joy. There's something about your joy that is not normal, and it's not regular, and there's something extraordinary, supernatural about it. It's so much more than just a feeling for you. It is, an, it is a reality. It is gladness on the inside, even when the outside is bad. It's an ever-present reality that is not contingent on the outside circumstances. It's everlasting joy. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah 61. It doesn't come and go. It exists and stays through it all. That kind of joy, listen, it comes from one source. That one source is the baby that was born in a manger on Christmas Day. It comes from Jesus and having him sit on the throne of my heart, ruling and reigning over my life. It gives me access to the promise of great joy. It only is available through Jesus. Listen, joy that is a reality, joy that is part of my nature. Come on, you, you've probably met somebody like that. Like joy is just their nature. How do they get like that? It's Jesus. Jesus on the inside of them. It's so much more than just a feeling. Joy is the product of knowing him. And being known by him. Joy is the product of having a king of joy on the throne of your heart. And living in the kingdom of God that is called joy. Living in the right kingdom gives you access to joy. This is precisely what we see in the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. At the time Nehemiah was born, the people of Israel were living in bondage. They had been in captivity for 70 years. Their king and their kingdom had been uh, taken back into Babylon. And they lost their kingdom. Their cities were burned. Their homes were destroyed. And all the surviving families had been carted off to live as slaves in a foreign land. And so after 70 years of living as slaves in the land of Babylon, the Lord told them it's time 
to go back home. The problem was there was nothing to come back to. Their homes, everything was in ruins. There was nothing left to return to. It all had to be rebuilt. So Nehemiah became the governor of the land, and he was put in charge of the rebuilding process, starting with the walls and the gates of the city of Jerusalem. And the people in Nehemiah 8, they had been living in bondage for so long that they forgot what it felt like to live in the right kingdom. They forgot how good it was to feel at home. They looked at the ruins of what was left. They looked at the tasks before them of rebuilding what was lost. They heard the threats of the enemies taunting them and threatening them. If you lift up one stone to rebuild that wall, we're going to attack you and we're going to destroy you again. And they saw all of that and they grew discouraged. The Bible says that they were grieving daily. And Nehemiah spoke to them in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 and he said this. He said, this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. Watch this. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen to me. Strength in life comes from having the joy of the Lord. These people had lost it all, but they were getting ready to experience an epic comeback. How is that possible? They were getting ready to tap into the power of joy, and it's an incredible power. So listen to me. If you want to know how to have an overcoming spirit today, if you want to know how to live like you're more than a conqueror instead of getting attacked and defeated, feeling like that every single day of your life, if, if you want to be the type of person that bounces back time and time again and will not stay down for long, then no matter what life throws your way, you need to tap into this resource that is joy because joy becomes a strength for you. And when you start choosing joy, no matter what, you'll feel this incredible strength of God. God rise up in you and it will pull you through time and time again that's what the writer of Hebrews told us in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 when he wrote fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God verse 3 says consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me tell you what that verse means. It means that Jesus chose the joy that was set before him. You know what the joy that was set before him was? It was you and me. We were the joy that allowed him to go to the cross. And he made sure that you and me, his joy was set before him. And when he put that joy in front of him, it gave him the strength that he needed to endure the cross. And the Bible says we take our lead from him. We follow in our example. We follow in the example of our king. And when your joy is set before you, and our joy is Jesus, you will not grow weary and lose heart, the Bible says. You'll find amazing strength that will continue to carry you through when you're living with joy at the forefront of your mind. And when you live in the right kingdom and under the right king, the product of that relationship is joy, and that joy becomes your strength. According to Romans chapter 14, verse 17, again, the kingdom of God consists of three things. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. One-third of the substance and makeup of the kingdom is joy. Now, that's not good news for people who hate joy. That's not good news for the killjoys out there, if you will. You know, there's people that have a problem with joy. And you expect that from the world because that's just how they live their lives. But it's always a surprise to me when you run into somebody who claims to be a Christ follower and they don't like joy. They don't like when you get joyful. 
They don't like when you clap your hands in church. They don't want you to get too joyful. They don't want you to live in joy. People like this. See, it's not just that they don't want joy in their life. It's that they don't want you to experience joy either. They don't want you to have what they won't have. So they work hard to make your life feel just as miserable as theirs is. And they're trying to steal your joy. Now, I told you last week that I'm a joy guy. I love it, especially this time of year. I just feel like, man, you've got, you've got a license to have joy. If you want to walk into King Supers and jump up in the air and be like, woo, Jesus has come. It's Christmas. Like, you can totally do that, and everybody's going to be like, right. Now, you do that in February, and they're going to be like, bro, pull it back. It's a little weird. But now you can do whatever. You, I mean, you've got the license for joy. That's how I love it. But let me just say this. I've made up my mind. That I'm going to live in, I'm going to receive what Jesus said I could have. And more than that, what he died on the cross to make sure that I have. He died so I could be free, so I think I'll live free. He died so I could have grace, so I think I'll receive it and I'll give it and extend it to others. He died so you and I could have joy. Why in this world would you choose sorrow over joy when Christ died on the cross so that you could live your life with joy? The scripture says he has come to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who are grieving in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty. Instead, Don't choose your ashes. Come on. He's put a crown on your head. The oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. If Christ came and died for you to have joy, why in the world would you choose to live your life rejecting the joy that he died so that you could have? The king has come to give joy to his people, and we can have joy in Jesus today. Hallelujah. So listen, don't be a killjoy. Don't be a hater of joy. Come on, receive it and live in it. People who have the joy of the Lord, people who live in the joy of the kingdom of God, they've tapped into something powerful and strong, something that sustains them and keeps them going, even in difficult circumstances, because the joy of the Lord truly is their strength. And some of you, here's the reality. You don't know how strong you are until weight gets added. You don't know how much strength joy will give you until that strength gets tested. And people with the joy of the Lord, listen, they've just made up their mind. They're going to have joy. They're going to live in joy no matter what comes their way, no matter what they have to face. They count it all joy over and over and over again. These are people who live as an overcomer every time, no matter what it is they're facing. They, they walk in victory, no matter what it is. They have joy. They have joy, not because they're smarter or better or wiser than anybody else, not because God loves them more than he loves anybody else, but because they've made a decision that Christ is king in my life and he is a king who is releasing joy into my heart. Listen, the king that's on the throne in your heart, if Jesus is the king, does not know how to lose. Do you understand that? He has never lost a battle. Jesus does not know how to fail. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you read the back of this book? Have you read it lately? Have you read the back of this book? Let me tell you something. We win. We win. And you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, pastor. Like, what, what about this? And what about that? And what about this going on? Somebody sent me a video 
this week, and it was like the Russian army is moving towards Ukraine with tanks, and they're like, what about this? And, you know, what do you think about this? And, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I see all that. I get it, but here's the thing. We win. I've read the back of the book. We win. That right, that right there is reason enough to live every single day of my life with ever-increasing joy. That right there, the fact that we win in the end, is enough to live with a smile on my face that you cannot take away. It is enough to live with a song in my heart. We win because our king is a conquering king who cannot and will not fail. And some of you need to remind yourself of that today. You need to remind yourself that the battle has already been won. And as a child of God, you are on the winning side. You need to remind yourself of that every morning. Take your victory lap and then go about your day full of the joy of the Spirit of God. That's right. I said take a victory lap. If you've ever watched sports with me, you know that's something I do. When we win, I run. Think about it. If the scripture's true, and Jesus has already conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he holds the keys, that's what it says in the book of Revelation. He says, I was dead, and now I am alive, and I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. If that's true, then what is it in your life that you think is too difficult for him to handle? What is it that's got you so stressed out you don't even have joy at Christmas? What is it that's keeping you up at night? Come on, I'm not making light of these things. They're real. But joy is real too. And for a child of God, you've got a reason to celebrate. You've got a reason to have joy. You've got a reason to be happy. He holds the keys. But watch this. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus was teaching on the kingdom. And this is what he said. He said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, watch this. He didn't just take the keys back and hold on to them. He took the keys back, and then he gave the keys to you and me. That's why we've got joy, too. That's why we've got victory over death, hell, and the grave. Because it's not just Jesus holding the keys. You're holding the keys if you want to hold them. The Bible says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven because you're holding the keys. You've got the keys to the kingdom, and the kingdom is joy. My grandmother was one of the most joy-filled people I've ever known. She was such a gift to me. And, uh, you know, there were times when I would feel stressed out. I remember being in college, and, and when I would drive home from uh, Lee University in Tennessee, I would have to drive by her house, and I would often stop and just spend some time with her and my, my grandfather. And she was always so encouraging, always so happy, just an awesome lady. And she loved Christmas. And she passed away uh, this past January. And I've got her Christmas village set up in my basement. And I love that. She loved giving presents. And that worked out well for me because when I was a kid, I loved getting presents. So <laughs> it really made us both happy. But my grandmother would give you a pair of pants wrapped up in a box for Christmas. And there would be money falling out of the pockets of the pants when you opened it up. I'm not kidding. If you didn't check the wrapping paper before you tossed it, you were liable to throw, that's a southern word, you were liable, you were liable to throw away a hundred dollar bill. I'm not kidding. There were times when she was like, did you find the special prize in the pocket? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, digging, looking for it. She had so much joy. 
And she was such a giver. She was full of joy year-round. One of the things that I heard her say often when she had to face something difficult was she'd say, well, this too shall pass. I heard her say it so many times. When she got diagnosed with cancer, her response to it was, this too shall pass. When she was going through chemo treatments and radiation, she'd say, this too shall pass. When her family was going through difficult circumstances and she was feeling the stress of that and she was praying for them, she would say, this too shall pass. You'll get through this. When she had open heart surgery and almost died on the operating table and she was working to come back from that, I remember she kept saying it, this too shall pass. Whatever it was, she knew this too shall pass. You know how she knew that? It's because, and she died at 90 years old, by the way. She knew this too shall pass because she knew the God living on the inside of her. She didn't just know about God from reading about him in the scripture. She had a real living relationship with God. There was a joy that was on the inside of her heart. And it was a strength for her that literally kept her going and coming back time after time after time. Listen, we belong to a kingdom of joy. And when you believe that and you really start to live that out, it changes the way you live your life. And watch this. It changes the outlook of your life. You know what I realized this past year? I realized that when I choose to spend too much time consuming the news and listening to opinions about what's happening in our world, it tends to rob me of my joy. You know why that happens? Because it causes me to forget which kingdom I'm actually a part of and who my king really is. Now listen, I I think we should be engaged as Christ followers. I think we should be involved. But we are in the world, not of the world. We are foreigners and strangers passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven is what the Bible says. So we're not here to get wrapped up in all of this stuff. We're here to change what's happening down here with the power of God and the kingdom of God. But it, it was robbing me of my joy because it was causing me to forget that my allegiance is to a different king. The kingdom I belong to is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And there is not a kingdom on this earth that can produce that for me, not even close. It's the kingdom that I've chosen to be a part of and live my life in. It's a kingdom of righteousness, Romans 14, 17 says. And let me just talk about this for a minute. I know we're talking about joy. We're not preaching about righteousness today. But let me just take a minute and explain this. Because righteousness is God's requirement for salvation. It's his requirement. The problem is none of us are righteous. The Bible says that all of us, every single one of us, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Righteousness is his standard for salvation, but none of us can live up to it. And if that's where it all ended, we would all be hopelessly lost forever. But that's not where the story ends. That's just where the story really gets going and really begins. That's why Jesus came to the earth to begin with. Because the Bible says that while we were still powerless to save ourselves... Christ came and died for the ungodly. God did for us through Christ Jesus what we could not do for ourselves by sending us his son to die on the cross. And when Jesus gave his life on Calvary, what he did is he freely gave us his righteousness. He gave his righteousness freely to anyone who would receive it and accept it. The only way for you and I to meet and measure up to the righteous requirements of salvation that God demands is through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You can't work hard enough to earn it. You can't can't do enough good works 
to impress God enough to let you into heaven. See, that's the lie of religion. If you just work a little harder, if you just do a little more, you can, you can appease God and he'll let you in. Salvation is not about works. It's all about grace. And living in his kingdom, listen, is about living in his grace. And when you live in his grace, his righteousness is flowing into you. The righteousness that you don't deserve, but that he's freely given you. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. It says that when Jesus died on the cross, that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become his righteousness. What that means is Jesus chose to take on your sin and shame. He didn't deserve to die on the cross. He didn't do anything wrong. He committed no sin. He did nothing wrong, and they crucified him. Why did he allow that to happen? Because he was dying for you and me. He was taking on our sin and shame, and he didn't stop there. He didn't just take on our sin and shame as an atonement. He gave us his perfection. He gave us his sinlessness. He gave us his righteousness so that we could live free and be fully committed to God through Christ Jesus. That's our king who died for us. There's not another king on the planet that would do that for you. There's not another king you should give your allegiance to because none of them are willing to do that for you like Jesus did. That's what it means to be born again. See, we were all born under the curse of sin and the curse of the law. But when we believe on the Lord Jesus and make him the Lord of our lives, when we make him the king of our hearts, he comes into our heart and he sits enthroned upon our heart and then we come into his kingdom. And listen, in the kingdom of God, your past is not held against you. In the kingdom of God, what you've done is not remembered any longer. In the kingdom of God, in his kingdom, we are not judged by what we've done. We're judged by who we belong to. And if you belong to Jesus and you're under the blood of Jesus, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. The old is gone, so let it go. Come on, that's a word for somebody. The old is gone, so let it go. Quit holding on to what was and start living in what is now. You have been redeemed. You've been set free. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. All of this came from a God who loved you too much to leave you the way that he found you. So he sent you his son. It's a kingdom of righteousness because of what Jesus has done. It's a kingdom of peace according to the scripture. And this is what the Bible teaches in our, in our past, in our sinful state. We were at enmity with God. That word enmity means that we were enemies with God. We weren't enemies with God because that's what he wanted. We were enemies with God because that's what we chose. When we chose sin, we set ourselves against God and his nature and his purposes for our lives. We chose to do it our own way, go our own way. And, and that enmity created a separation between us and God. Well, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says of Jesus that he himself is our peace. And as our peace, he has destroyed the barrier of separation that was standing between us and God. The Bible says that he's broken down the wall of hostility. Your sin was the thing that kept you from being at peace with God. Well, Jesus changed all that when he died on the cross. So when we have the righteousness of God, then we get to experience peace with God because his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. And that's why when you understand that, Romans 8 begins to make sense where you read, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He says, who is he that condemns? No one, because Christ Jesus has died and rose from the dead. See, when someone tries to condemn you because of your past, they obviously don't know that you're at peace with God. They, do, they just don't realize that, no, I'm good with God. And, and by the way, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 that Satan is the accuser. It says that he stands before the throne of God accusing 
the saints of God day and night. The voice of accusation in your life is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. It is the voice of the, of the devil, of the enemy. When you hear accusation in your mind about who you used to be and what you used to do, that's not God reminding you, that, boy, you better be thankful I saved you. I shouldn't have. No, that's the enemy trying to pull you back into what you used to be. He's the voice of the accuser. But there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ because I've come into peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then Paul says in Romans 14, 17, it's a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and then joy. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy, that ongoing reality of gladness on the inside that's flowing out of a real relationship with a living king living on the inside. We have joy because of who Jesus is in us. We have joy because we're not what we used to be, and we have joy because we're not going in the same direction we used to be going. There's an old song that I was reminded of when I was studying for this message that we used to sing in church growing up. Some of you may know it. It says, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, then it says, it says, floods of joy, oh my soul. Like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. See, since Jesus, my king, came into my heart and I came into his kingdom, there is a joy that is flooding over my soul. And just as sure as there will be another wave that will replace the one that just crashed on the seashore, there will be another wave of glory and joy that will fill and flood my soul because in the kingdom of God, there is joy everlasting and increasing with greater joy through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you might be thinking today, well, pastor, I don't feel that way. I don't have that kind of joy. That's okay. You probably just forgot what kingdom you belong to. You probably just forgot who your king is. Because if you knew the kingdom that you belong to in the king who's on the throne, you would know that you've got a right to live in joy. So let me just remind you for a minute because we, we can have joy today because of Jesus. Just remind yourself today of how different your life would be had it not been for the Lord who was on your side. Just be reminded today of who he is and what he's done for you. Come on, think about it. Think about where you would be if Jesus hadn't stepped in and saved your soul. I know we're not yet what we will be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Come on, because he found me and saved me and gave me a new lease on life. I dare you to think about the goodness of God in your life and not feel a little bit of heavenly joy just begin to well up within you because when you start thinking about all the reasons you have joy today, it's really hard not to express that joy and experience the joy of the Lord. Psalm chapter 95 verse 1 says, Let us shout for joy to the Lord, the God, the rock of our salvation. And that brings me to the second thing I want to tell you today about how to experience the joy of the kingdom because we all forget sometimes. We forget what kingdom we actually belong to. So how do we get it back? Well, here it is. That kingdom has a sound. And if you want to experience the joy of the kingdom, all you have to do is repeat the sounding joy. <laughs> it's just repeat the sounding. You just got to repeat the sound of the kingdom. The writer of this carol, Joy to the World, was a guy named Isaac Watts. And he first published the song in 1719 in a collection of songs called the Psalms of David. And he wrote these, these verses to joy to the world primarily using Psalms chapter 98. And he wrote, 
he wrote this verse, verse 2, using the wording from Psalms 98. And I just want to read these verses to you in Psalms 98, 4 through 6. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. See, in his kingdom, in the kingdom of God, there's a sound of the kingdom. There's, this, there's a sound that the people of God make in the kingdom. And that sound is the sound of praise to God. And when we forget that we can live in his joy. And we forget about who he is and what he's done. And we forget what kingdom we actually belong to. All we've got to do is start to repeat the sounds of the kingdom. Because the sound of the kingdom is the sound of praise. And praise has the power to induce joy again in your soul and in your heart. Listen, some of you may be waiting for a reason to praise God. You might be thinking, well, I don't have a reason to praise God. And I'm waiting for this to pan out. I'm waiting to see what happens here. And I'm waiting for this to work out. Listen, if God never does anything else for me for the rest of my life, he's already done enough for me to live the rest of my life singing his praise and overflowing with the joy of the Lord because he secured my salvation. There is not a demon in hell that can pluck me out of his hand. There is not anything on this earth that can threaten the fact that that I am on my way to heaven and I've got the victory. Even my worst day on this earth is better than the best day for somebody who's living far from Jesus because they don't know him. And when we begin to repeat the sounding joy, the result is we get filled up with great joy again and again. It's like another wave of glory comes and crashes over our soul and reminds us that we are in the kingdom of God. One third of the substance of the kingdom according to Romans 14, is joy, and another third is peace. Tell me a time in your life when peace and joy have come under greater attack than right now in our world. Peace and joy are attributes of the kingdom. You know what that tells me? That tells me the kingdom of God is under attack. Now, don't, don't get alarmed. Don't let that alarm you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, that the kingdom of God suffereth violence. He says, violent men have tried to take hold of it. It's been subjected to violence. There's an assault on the kingdom of God that's been happening since Jesus was born. Don't let it surprise you today that we have an adversary called the devil who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And by the way, he's trying to build a kingdom of his own too. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this with me quickly. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and watch this, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Peace and joy are under attack because the kingdom of God is under attack. I want to be real clear, and I, I'm not trying to be a killjoy. I'm not trying to throw a wet blanket on your joy right now. But what's going on in our world today is a spiritual assault against the people of God and against the kingdom of God advancing on the earth. We are living in a historical hour. Jesus rebuked the Jews of his day saying, you can look up in the sky and you can predict the weather. You can discern the weather patterns, but you can't discern the time that you live in. You can't discern the fact that the son of man is standing right before you even now. I feel like he would rebuke the church in this day and age too. You can tell me all about the weather. You can tell me all about this, that, and the other. 
You can tell me about your buildings and your bands and all your stuff, but you can't discern the fact that I'm getting ready to come back and there is a shaking happening among the nations of the earth right now. We are living in perilous times, but take heart. The darkness is getting darker, but how many know the light shines the brightest in the darkest of the night? Amen. John chapter 1. When, it, when John was introducing us to Jesus in his gospel, his own Christmas message, he said, he said, the light of Jesus, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness might be getting darker, but listen, we are children of the light. We, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to fear that. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You don't have to be afraid of the darkness because we're on the winning side. But COVID has paralyzed so many with fear, even in the church. People are so afraid. And with every, this happened to me, with every report you read, everything that you hear, it seems designed to induce more fear, more anxiety, more insecurity. And watch this. What it's doing is it's robbing the church of the sound of our joy because it's filled our mouths with the sound of an illegitimate kingdom. I think about all the places in the Bible where God told the people to make a kingdom sound just before he brought them victory. In the battle of Jericho, after they marched around for seven days, the Bible says that they blasted the trumpets, they lifted up a shout, and then the walls fell down. In Judges chapter 6, when Gideon built an army of only 300 men, and they went after a massive invading force. The Bible says that they crashed pottery to the ground. They blew their trumpets, and they lifted up a shout of victory. And when they did that, the Bible says God routed their enemies from the land. I think about King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles chapter 20, when a massive coalition of several nations came together uncoerced to attack Jerusalem and they were worried they were stuck in fear they were closed up in fear and God spoke to Jehoshaphat through a prophet and he told him I'm going to give you the victory this is how you're going to do it position the worshipers in front of the army put the band and the singers in front of everybody holding a weapon and they marched out on the battlefield with praise leading the way what were they doing they were lifting up the the sound of the kingdom, the sound of praise, the sound of joy. And as they released the sound of the kingdom, God came down and destroyed their enemies. They didn't even have to lift a weapon against them because the sound of the kingdom did their fighting for them. Listen to me. I believe, church, listen to me. I believe that it is time for the people of God to get their sound back. It's time for the people of God. Hallelujah. To open up our mouths with a sound of joy that causes the enemy to tremble and fear and run. It's a kingdom sound. It's a sound of praise. It's not the sound coming from the kingdoms of this world right now, which is fear, defeat, despair, hopelessness. No, the sound rising out of the church in this hour is a sound of victory, not because of what we're facing and what we're dealing with, but because we know who we belong to and we know we've already got victory because we know he overcame the grave. If he came back, the Bible says the same spirit that raised him from the dead, if he's living in you, oh, hallelujah, he will also quicken your mortal body. Oh yeah, he will cause you. Hallelujah. I feel the joy of the Lord right now. He will cause you to come back from whatever you're dealing with and whatever struggle you find yourself in. What's the key? Open your mouth and lift up a song of joy because a song of joy causes the enemy to run. 
Come on and stand with me. Come on up here, man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We have forgotten who we are and who we belong to. And our sound has gotten so miserable. Even songs of praise and worship. Sometimes I turn it on and I hear 10 minutes of the most depressing thing I've heard all week. I'm like, where's the joy? Where's the joy? Where's the joy I remember in church? When the people of God used to put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When the people of God used to come in with a song of praise on their mouth. They didn't have to be coerced to sing and rejoice. They came in, hallelujah. They came in ready to go. They came in ready to lift up a song of praise. You know why? Because they knew the kingdom they were belonging to. And they knew who their king was. They didn't forget about it. So they came in ready to worship. They came in with a sound of joy. Some of you, you've forgotten what it's like to live in a kingdom of joy. So what do you do? Repeat the sound of joy. Repeat the sound of the kingdom. Quit singing the songs of the world. Quit singing about agony and loss and woe is me. And start singing, my God is greater. My God is stronger. Start singing, how great is our God. Start singing, great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Start saying, here's an old one. Start singing, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Come on. He healed my body. He touched my mind. <laughs> he saved me just in time. I wish y'all could play that. <laughs> Come on. We used to sing, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me come on i took back what he stole from me i took back what he stole from me i went to the enemy's camp and i took back what he stole watch this he's under my feet he's under my feet he's under my feet singing at home he's under my feet he's under my feet he's under my feet Satan is under my feet. Hallelujah. I used to sing a song. I used to sing it in my youth group when I was a youth pastor. This joy that I have, well, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, nah, 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 the world didn't give it to me. No, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time for the church to get our joy back. And it starts with a sound. To make a sound, you need to open up your mouth. And you need to give God praise. We're going to sing in just a minute. We're going to pray. But let me just encourage you today. Because there's two things that we need to pray about. Number one is some of you just forgot what kingdom you're a part of. And if you're being honest, it's not a salvation thing. Your, 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 your heavenly status is not up for debate. You're saved. But you've been living under the rule and reign of a king that's not named Jesus. And that kingdom is dictating the way your life is going. And here's, here's the gospel truth today. You can choose right now to step out of that kingdom and step into the kingdom of God. Because if you're covered by the blood of Jesus, you're invited to do so. 
So some of you need to come into the right kingdom. Some of you have just lost your song. And things have happened. You've gone through things. And you've forgotten how to release a sound of joy. Today, God wants to restore your sound. He wants to restore your joy. Come on, do you feel the joy of the Lord in this place right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would work in our hearts today. Holy Spirit, come. Come in your power. Your word says that you are a spirit of joy. We've got joy in the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come in power today, God. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, and the people of God would feel you working again in our hearts and in our souls, Lord. We would feel you working and moving, and it would be like a a, a well of living water that's coming up from within us and coming out of our mouths. The sound of joy, repeating joy. Oh, God, flowing joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory would flow again from the people of God. Lord, do it in Jesus' mighty name. Touch your people today. Hallelujah. Come on, just receive it from him right now. We receive it from you, Lord. We receive joy today in Jesus' name. We receive joy. We receive gladness in place of our sorrow. We receive the joy of of, of gladness, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, God. We put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Oh, in Jesus' name, move among your people today. Come on, sing this with the band. Let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart today. Hallelujah. We've come to join the song. Thank you.